Welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast, kind of. We're trying a new thing this week, Jamie. Why don't we tell the people, the, the fun people, why is they're sitting here? Why is there a second episode this week? A second episode this week. What because the we're heck trying is something happening? New. Um, we're trying something new, and this is going to be like a bonus episode that's more or less like many of the other podcasts that are out there, just fans talking um, about whatever we want to talk about. So the main episode every week, the core episode, is still going to be one of those, um, going to be an interview. Um, but we've wanted to have the chance to sort of bring on some friends, bring on some some people who had something to add, um, and that's what this is. We're trying something out. It may work. It may not, but we'll see. Um, and so joining us for the first one of these is Jerry Tolbert and Sean Hallenbeck. Hello. Hey. Um, and I'm just going to, you guys want to just, you know, introduce yourself, say who you are, what you do, what your background is, that sort of thing. Um, Jerry, you can go first. Okay. Yeah, I'm Jerry Tolbert. I'm actually a uh, family doctor in northern Kentucky. Uh, I started writing for Geek Dad a few months back uh, with Team Battlestar and, uh, just uh, pretty much interested in anything geeky. I don't have a, a limit to my geekiness. And I've got three uh, daughters under the age of, well, I guess for the next couple of days, they're still all under the age of three. But <laughs> my, my oldest is going to turn three on the 22nd. So Awesome. And Jerry, you also do um, <clears throat> Ask Dr. Geek Dad. Correct. Yeah, that's that's my my big contribution at this point. Which are cool. You guys should check them out. The, you do the, the uh, video segments, basically. Um, and mm-hmm. you, you just take on a different uh, medical issue, not necessarily geeky, um, but with your background, you sort of you, you bring a geeky twist to it. But you talk about some serious <laughs> medical issues that people should be thinking about. Yeah, we actually I'm, I've got working on right. I'm editing one right now on concussions. So that's one that everybody's kind of waiting for with bated breath. We'll see, see how that turns <laughs> out. <laughs> now, now, being a doctor, that's something I always thought when you're out and someone asks you, you know, oh, you're a doctor, they find out. Do they always say, hey, well, my kid has this. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people do have questions, but it's usually it's usually simple stuff for me to answer. That's the part that's always funny. It's the the my dad's a doctor, too. So I've been around the medical field for a long time. He started out. My dad was actually a paramedic when I was about five or so, about 1985, like we were talking about earlier. And uh, then he went to nursing school and then he went to medical school. So I, I grew up on an ambulance and in an ER and, and just playing around in the hospital. So so from that standpoint, people ask me that stuff all the time, whether I was a doctor or not. So it's kind, <laughs> kind of just normal life for me. You're just a kid on an ambulance. You'd be like, hey, could you look at this? My knee is really bothering me. <laughs> right, exactly. Stitching people uh, up. I'm not a doctor, 11. but I'll take a look. Yeah. <laughs> Sean. Yes, uh, my name is Sean Hollenbeck. I'm a chef by trade, actually. Um, I'm in grad school. I have four kids from 18, and the youngest is almost two. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's it's <laughs> big. Um, it's a big gap. We have an 18 and 15, then a 10 year gap, and we have a five and a two. Um, we decided we didn't, weren't punished enough, so yeah, <laughs> another set after 10 years. My youngest is four, and I already can't imagine going back to a baby. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing, it, but uh, I have three girls, the oldest ones, and then the fourth one that we just had is boys, so. It's a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Girls, believe it or not, just when they grow up. Uh. Funny, because everybody always says that. You know, everybody who has a, one of each, like, oh, they're so different. And if you don't have one of each, you're like, how different could they be? You know, like <laughs> when, we were, when, when my wife was pregnant with our second one, we found out it was a boy. And you know, again, everybody came in and said, like, oh, they're so different. You don't know everything you think you know. You're going to have to relearn. And of course, we were like, what are you yeah, right. Yeah. How yeah, di- that, they're babies. Exactly How different right. could they be? <laughs> they're so different. <laughs> it's just he's we call him the monkey because he's everywhere. I mean, he's yeah. literally on the stair railings and on the top of the fence out back, and it's it's just a whole new whole new version of an animal. But we love him and he keeps us young. So <laughs> I guess we'll keep him, right? Yeah, yeah. He'll hang around for probably six, sixty more years or so. <laughs> Well, awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, obviously, both of you come from Geek Dad, um, so we're dipping into our own well here to, for this first episode. So this is this is great. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, and I, we figured, Justin and I were talking um, for this first episode, you know, our show is not really big on, on timely news and breaking news and things like that. Uh, we leave that to other websites and podcasts. I mean, the nature of a podcast is that you can't really be incredibly timely with a lot of stuff. <laughs> um 
so we like to keep a lot of our topics and conversations evergreen. Um, so what we're going to talk about today, we thought, would be a little bit of um, Star Wars merchandise. <laughs> Which is pr- always evergreen, right? <laughs> Can you say something little about that? There's nothing little about the merchandising for any Star Wars. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> um, Justin, did you want to mention what sort of brought this on? So Geek Dad recently published an article written by Mordecai. Is that like one word, like Drake? <laughs> Mordecai. And, Mordecai. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> in it, he talked about Target uh, launching a T-shirt, a Star Wars T-shirt, and it was a scene with Darth Vader and Leia, and they photoshopped Leia out for the the T-shirt for the in the stores. And something that really stood out to me about this is Target recently was in the news for you know getting rid of the boy girl stereotype in their toy aisles, and then all of a sudden they're hitting the shelves with this T-shirt because yeah. they yeah. they figure it's for a boy. Boy can't have Leia on a shirt. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because it was a. It wasn't even like an illustration. It was a. It was a, a screen cap from the movie. Right. Um, and it was you know the, for those of you who haven't seen it, it was the scene, the very beginning of A New Hope, when Vader and Leia confront each other in the hallway of the, uh, the 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 blockade runner, right? And uh, and uh, they took out Leia and they put in this really awful picture of farm boy Luke. And when I first saw it, it it looked so bad. Like it was something I could have thrown together in like MS paint, you know, it didn't even look like it was a Photoshop job and I didn't believe it. I said, this is, this has just gotta be a hoax cause there's no way. And then somebody sent me the actual link to target and it brought me sure enough, right to target.com. And there it was for sale for like $3. You know, they were even selling it for cheap on the website. <laughs> um, but I don't, I can't even fathom what sort of goes through somebody's mind when they decide to make that like, it just just kind of boggles my mind, like why why you would substitute out. I mean, from an actual screenshot of the film, right? Yeah, the the artwork aside, somebody did make a very good point though on our on our Slack channels about the fact that it really made more sense because you know Vader is saying, "I brought the dark side. What did you bring?" And you know, if it was Luke that they put in that picture. The answer would have been nothing, um, but but you've got <laughs> Leia, who is a senator and is now a rebel spy and and is leader of the Rebel Alliance and is you know all of these massive things about ready to 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 start a war against the Empire, not necessarily single handedly, but you know I mean I guess it kind of when you put it in that context, you have to have context for it. That's the problem. Most of the most shirts you don't have a story. You know somebody's not telling you the story of the shirt, so it's kind of. <laughs> But but they, they, when they put it in that context, I was like, yeah, well, that kind of makes sense. I, I, I don't know, man. I, no, I, I mean, like... I think I think it's a dumb that they that they photoshopped out the girl and put a boy on it. I mean, I think that part's dumb. But but the 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 idea that you know, well, two, I mean, two things. First and foremost, the idea that Luke was even you know Luke was never even on that Corellian you know uh, Corellian Corvette. I mean, that's what whatever I, the the whole thing is mind-boggling i'm still kind of at a loss i don't but even know what to say i don't even get the phrase on the shirt i brought right. the dark side what did you bring right. yeah i mean it's like I like i don't yeah. know like i brought the pain vader yo like i don't i don't get it like that's not even a thing people say like come to the dark side we have cookies and sort of right. become a thing that people right. say and you see it places but i brought the dark side what did you bring that's just stupid. Like I don't get it. Like what? Am I, am I missing I some a power converters? <laughs> <laughs> See, now that would have been funny if they had put if they had had Luke saying something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it just it points out. You know, after the, I read that thing about Leia, I went back and looked at A New Hope in general, and there's not up until the end, until that final battle scene where Luke is flying the X-wing, he doesn't really have a whole lot that he's bringing to the table. Uh, it's kind of. I mean. Han and Chewie do a lot of the work. Obi-Wan does a lot of the work. R2 and C-3PO do a whole lot of the work. Luke just whines about everything. So <laughs> he whines about everything. And Leia just watched her. I mean, it's like, not only did she watch her parents get killed, she watched her entire planet get destroyed. And within minutes of that, she's still standing up to Tarkin and Vader. Right. You know, I mean, and then starting a revolution. And <laughs> yeah, Leia had all the power in that in that story. Oh, yeah. I think I think Luke was using nepotism unknown to anybody that his father got into that film because he used the dark side to make sure they included a character to make Han look that much better. 
Nobody knew then, but that's nobody knew. That's exactly what he he, he knew secretly, though, right? That's that's exactly right. <laughs> well, I mean, that sort of, I mean, we're that's stupid. I think we can all agree, and I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't. None of us can really rationalize why that change was made, but um, it remind not reminded me, but it, it pointed out to me. Um, and I recently was thinking about this and I actually wrote something about this, but the merchandise that's currently out there, um, as we record this, we're about two months, uh, we're two months exactly out from, um, the force awakens, um, that how much is out there right now for the film. And there's really not that much. I mean, it feels like there's a lot because everybody's talking about things like that BB-8 droid and, you know, people want some of the action figures. Um, But that Force Friday was really the start of the merchandise hype machine. Um, And that we're we're only a few months out from the movie. And I feel like comparing that now to like the prequels, you know, the months leading up to The Phantom Menace, I mean, we saw a deluge of of toys and mo- books and tie-in stuff and fast food promotions all over the place. Um, and we were just assaulted left and right. And I'm wondering, is because of how those films, the prequels, um, did at the box office and their reputation that they've gotten since then, do you think that's you know a direct cause for why we're seeing relatively little in the way of merchandise and hype and why they're waiting until the last minute to sort of hype up the movie? I think part of it is um, when, when the prequels came out, <clears throat> right before the dark side took over the movies, <laughs> there wasn't the social media presence. So they had to pump out massive merchandise, massive commercials to get the news out. But now it's just everywhere on Twitter and Facebook and, and you name it. So the merchandising isn't as important to get the word out as yeah. the social media aspect is, which and I, I saw Yoda and Darth Vader soup in the grocery <laughs> store. Yeah, I think there's a lot of merchandise out there. I have some of that in my cabinet. Yeah, so do I, and I, you know I, I'll admit that. But now, but now there's a lot of merchandise out there, and we my kids enjoy the Star Wars macaroni and cheese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> but. How much of that is Force Awakens branded, and how much of that is just Star Wars? And I think I right. think you're hitting on the I think you're hitting on the key point. They've been hyping Star Wars. They haven't been hyping the Force Awakens. Yeah. Uh, because you see all of these things coming out. The the resurgence of the the Halloween costumes that are all based around the original six movies. Uh, you see all of this stuff that is really hyping four, five, and six. Honestly, uh, that is. I mean, you you have Darth Vader, you have Yoda, and you have C-3PO. Those are the th- big three, R2-D2, I guess those big four that are showing up on everything. Uh, yeah. You're getting a lot more Chewbacca and Han Solo stuff. You're getting you're getting Princess Leia stuff. It, it's not The Force Awakens. I mean, there's a ton of Kylo Ren stuff, but yeah. it doesn't really tell us anything. It's kind of like the BB-8 and all of the the conjecture about, you know, what what twist is going to be with BB-8? Is he going to be end up being the big bad guy at the end of the movie? You know, it's the Emperor's soul yeah. in a droid body, you know? I would, I would that, love that. It would be phenomenal, and 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 people have have finally put that into graphical form. Even there are a couple of cartoons there that we saw, or uh, comic strips. But but the idea that they're hyping Star Wars as a universe, I think, is a bigger deal because Rebels mm-hmm. just came back this week. So there's a bit, there's been a, quite a bit of hype. You guys had the interviews with the folks mm-hmm. uh, that was actually sort of perfectly timed because that whole sort of resurgence is going to kind of crash like a wave before the force awakens hits because you're going to have eight weeks of those episodes and you, you got to remember who is behind the hype too they're you know disney's been doing it for years they know what they're doing they well we assume they do <laughs> maybe they don't sometimes but um and if they do it as a company like star wars as a franchise as a whole that's going to be better for them than just doing these you know this new trilogy because they're going to have the the next three come out you know the rogue one and all those ones come out, and then the, the cartoons, the books. It makes more sense for them to just launch it as a as a whole, as opposed to just the movie itself. Because I think Lucasfilm got it wrong when they incorrectly assumed people would like the first movie, <laughs> with like the Phantom Menace. So, you know, well, the- you have to be a certain age to really love that movie. If you're under the age of about twelve right now, the Phantom Menace is probably your favorite movie. Right, the Pod Racers, uh, man. Right. Know. Well, and and there are there are kids that were four when 99 rolled around that love Jar Jar Binks. I mean, yeah. it's, it's that idea of, 
he was playing to his audience, but yeah. apparently my, not the right one. Yeah, I was just talking to Justin off air. My kids just, you know, Friday night and tonight over two nights just watched The Phantom Menace for the very <laughs> first time. Um, it was actually, believe it or not, worse than I remember um, <laughs> for myself. My kids liked it okay. Um, I, I, they were both bored incredibly through certain parts of it. Um, what I found most surprising from my perspective was that I found Jar Jar Binks to not be the worst part of that movie. You know, <laughs> I found the movie that surrounded him to be so abysmally bad that he actually didn't bother me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like he like he came out like I, w I was dreading it because like, oh, oh, yep. Here's where they meet him. Here's where yep, yep, there he is. And he started talking and I was like, you know, he's annoying, but he's meant to be annoying. He's he's the he's he's there for the kids and I can accept that. But he's not the worst part of this movie. Like he's he's probably not even the bottom half of the, you know of, of of the bad things in that movie. Um, but I had, a, I had a question. That was just all an aside. Um, I, I wanted to get back to you. You're talking about the merchandise being sort of hyping Star Wars as a universe. I'm wondering though if that might be to their detriment because what they're especially now for Halloween and what we're seeing. Um, like we're seeing the classic costumes. So we're mm -hmm. seeing Princess Leia in the white gown with the earmuffs. Mm -hmm. We're seeing, you know, uh, Luke with like the black, the, the Jedi black Jedi, um, Return of the Jedi black uniform. Um, we're seeing the original trilogy costumes, not presumably how they're going to appear in the new films because those characters do wrap right. over. So I'm wondering if, at least from kids' perspectives, who are going to be the ones to bug their parents to buy toys and whatnot, whether what they're going to want. Are they going to mm -hmm. want the Return of the Jedi Luke and the New Hope Princess Leia? Or are they going to want the Force Awakens old Luke and Leia? Or are they assuming, or is the assumption that they're not going to want those old characters because they're old at this point, literally? Well, the other side of it, though, is that you're you're you don't have those movies to put in front of them right now. So if you do a merchandise push with something they haven't even seen yet, mm -hmm. it's the whole thing about the BB-8. Who what's you know turning bad? What's the final you know tally going to be on this? They have those movies right now, and in fact, I'm I'm very surprised, very very surprised that they have not announced another Blu-ray set or another DVD set or a you know going back to the originals, the the laser discs remastered or whatever of the original movies of the of four five and six because not only is this coming after six so you're setting up seven so you have to know the characters from four five and six mm -hmm. but it they're also playing on that whole idea of i can sit you down and watch you can watch that movie right now so you go buy all the merchandise now then you see this new movie in december and then from january until the following december you buy all of that merchandise that's a good point that's a really good point because the uh the last blu-ray set it's a few years old now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, a couple of years old, yeah. And I mean, Lucasfilm, Lucas himself, I mean, they've been known to, you know, trot out a new version with, you know, here's a new <laughs> special edition and everybody buys it again. But they do that every couple of years. Mm -hmm. And now you're, you're absolutely right. Now is the perfect time to trot out a new set. You know, here, catch up on all six movies. Here's the ultimate box set for, for everybody going in. And they haven't done that. I saw, uh, I don't know how old it is, but I saw a, a box set of six today at Costco. I don't know if that is different than what you're talking about. but was It's it the probably that original. The Blu-rays came out about yeah. two, three years ago now. And that was about two to three years after they put out the original DVD okay. set. Yeah. So. so we're about due for another set. We are right. about well, due. Yeah. And, and the thing there, too, is you figure you've got 4K and 8K and all mm -hmm. of these other, you know, they're going to have to upgrade some of the the quality or go back to the original masters or who knows what they're going to do with them but make it, them for the oculus rift so that you can be inside <laughs> you know but it's it's not too late i mean we're we're also we're all old and we're used <laughs> you know we're used to you know seeing like oh the dvds are coming and then like four months later we see them you know now they could keep this all hush hush and they could announce tomorrow that you're getting a new mm -hmm. blu-ray box set and it's coming out next week and they, right. they could do that, you know? So, I mean, just because we haven't seen it yet, we still have two months before the movies, and they could still do it before Christmas. I just happen to think they put it out on iTunes this year, so that was the other big thing. That I is forgot true. about that, because that's actually, I I hadn't bought, I didn't buy the Blu-rays. I don't even have a Blu-ray player. We, we do so much stuff digitally and online that I just don't, we don't watch discs. So I I was waiting for it to come out, and so I as soon as, on day one, I bought it. But the, the 
extras that went with that were a whole new set. There's a whole new set of interviews and stuff that weren't even on the original Blu-ray. So it's there. There is some new content coming, kind of teasing and, and coming out. I I think that's part of the issue. Teasing being the key word that made me think of it. After the whole debacle with the the um, episode one uh, soundtrack <laughs> giving away major <laughs> plot points. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, yeah, and I actually, I inadvertently, I was reading it out loud in the middle of Walmart the day that it came out, which was weeks <laughs> before the movie. And one of my best friends to this day still, still will not let me live that down because I read it out loud and he just like, he punched me as soon as I said it. I, mean, I was, it was the, yeah. this massive spoiler on the back of the. the... I, I, exactly the same thing. I remember I was standing, I was in college and I remember I was standing in the, the CD store and I was like, oh, it came out. I picked it up and I read the track list and I was like, well, crap. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that that was the the least offensive thing that happened with that movie. <laughs> I mean, same when I read this track, the same same reaction. I'm like, they just spoiled a major plot point, like but, the major plot, the point. entire yeah, the entire yeah. like the the climax of the movie. I mean, it's yeah. Well, what's funny is again, I hate to break, go back to it, but you know, my my daughter just finished episode one tonight. And you're talking about you know the end of that movie. So Darth Maul gets cut in half, but to her, she watched that and she's like, "Oh, Darth Maul's pants fell off as he <laughs> fell down the pit." It's like, really? That's what you saw? His pants just fell off. <laughs> it's like he got Getting sliced a little in adult half. there at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think basically what all this means is that we're not marketers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we don't know what we're doing, and this is why we don't work for Disney uh, PR, correct? Right. <laughs> <laughs> they, they know exactly what they're doing. Like I'm sure the, the movies do. are going to hit, and they're going to be so big that they can then decide you know, what they're going to put out for merchandise, and then they're going to do it, and then it's going to be well, huge. <laughs> you, can't right, they're saving up. <laughs> you can't make that decision then. I mean, merchandise, yeah. you do need lead time to have everything made. Right. It's on the ships right now coming over. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I remember is. I remember this is not anything to do with Star Wars, but when Frozen first came out, I was in Toys R Us probably two or three weeks before, and the place was full of merchandise, and then nobody was buying it because they didn't know what the movie was about. They just had no idea. And yeah. then the week after, you couldn't buy Frozen merchandise. It was gone. Oh, yeah. it was, <laughs> and you could have got whatever you wanted two weeks before. Yeah, we, similarly, <laughs> we were at Disney World, um, a few months before Frozen came out and Anna and Elsa were already meeting and greeting. They were in Norway and the movie hadn't come out yet, but you know, everybody knew that there was this movie coming out called Frozen. And uh, that when we that was like the first time my daughter had been. So she wanted to do pictures with all the, the print, all the characters. And we waited and there was a line, um, but it was like half an hour. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't that long of a line. And then the movies hit and it was like stampede that rope yeah, oh, dropped like a three hour wait for those girls, you know? and it's still carrying on today my, we had our birthday party for my my three-year-old soon to be three-year-old yesterday and everything that she got every every other gift was something from frozen oh my god she got the singing on the singing elsa that you can sing with the microphone and oh. and do the karaoke version and and, so and all these other things because it was just this the kind of it has staying power i mean it's it's kind of like star wars from the standpoint of they mm -hmm. they marketed it very very well so you're exactly right I, I have a feeling that the day after the movie you're not gonna be able to come within an inch of of you know as hard as bb8 sphero was to find yeah. that, that on on friday it's gonna be way way worse that's why after december 19th Yes. <laughs> Jamie still doesn't decide if he's going to sell it yet after. No, I'm going to wait to see. It's, I mean, I, I was planning to give it to my kids for Christmas, so I got time, right? Well, yeah, you got a week after the movie. Even. Exactly. <laughs> I was at a Barnes & Noble, and they had probably a dozen of them. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised that nobody was buying them. But at the, at a huge the Sphero display. ones or the yeah. uh, Hasbro ones? The Sphero, $139, I think. Yeah, it yeah. Wow. Wow. Quite a few ones. Yeah. Well, they had them here. Jamie gave me the tip: Bed Bath and Beyond. And who <laughs> would who would think, right? I went in and the, yeah, we have Nobody. all five still. They brought five in and they had all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody would think to go to Bed Bath and Beyond for Star Wars toys. That's why right. they had them. Except <laughs> I live in Canada and they're like two hundred and thirty dollars, not one hundred and thirty. So <laughs> Canadians. Canadians. So. You would do money with the holes in it. <laughs> <laughs> so that um, so that reminds me. We were talking about earlier about what our favorite merchandise was as kids, and this could get a little geeky pretty quickly. Uh, but um, Jamie, maybe you can talk about something. Sorry, I have a kick. 
this was my idea to talk about, and I probably should have prepared in advance I, what it was. I actually have something if you... Oh, do it, because I'm okay. thinking about... So I mean, you if guys, we have to pick one piece, it's hard. You may or may not remember this, but around Return of the Jedi, they put out lightsabers. You know, there are lightsabers everywhere now, and they've got the, the build-your-own lightsaber and everything. Around the time of Return of the Jedi, they put out these lightsabers that when you would swing them, they were big plastic, like oh, a yeah. cardboard uh, roll, uh, cardboard uh, wrapping paper roll. Mm-hmm. When you would swing them, there was a... Um, a set of baffles inside it and so the air moving across it is what made the noise that was yeah. one of my favorite star wars collectibles ever i still have it in a closet somewhere it it was that was the thing yeah i, I was actually i just brought that up the other day to my wife because my kids have those retractable ones now and i was trying to describe that exact one that you just said and i because <laughs> i remember so clearly walking through the toy store and you couldn't retract them so they were right. like four or five feet long exactly <laughs> and so they just had them like in this box standing up and like the end of an aisle and i remember them so clearly they had the red ones and the green ones and the blue ones i think and they were just all like in this one big box and i remember so clearly taking one in the store and swinging it around and hearing that really cool sound and i never had one <laughs> i had a, I, I interesting i had a red one and i in everything that i do in everything that i've done from games to whatever i'm always the good guy i hate being the bad guy but i had a red lightsaber i'm like what how does that even work (laughs) yeah i'm jealous that you had that because that was one of those things that i'd always wanted and i never had like i never had the millennium falcon either (laughs) i didn't have the i didn't have the one that you opened up to put all the characters in but uh, I, I rectified that. We bought uh, the three-year-old for Christmas this year. She's not, she's not going to watch this, so I can say it. We, we got her the, the original, like with the, the small two-inch figure, yeah. um, Han and, and Chewbacca. We got her that Millennium Falcon before they redid it for The Force Awakens. So. Nice. Nice. Oh. Very nice. It's been sitting in the closet for like a year and a half because I got so excited when I saw it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Got to buy it. But you can't have it until you're three. Sorry. I think the best thing I had or the my favorite thing I had was actually the, the – Land speeder that kind of looked like it was floating. Yeah, oh, yeah. Really, I mean, it's cheesy and it was, but I was a kid, so yeah. it looked yeah. good to me. I love that. I actually looking at it right now. I've got that over on my shelf right there, and I've got Luke and Luke and Obi Wan sitting in the, <laughs> in the cockpit. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, I have an answer. If we're just talking about like the Kenner toys, I know which piece it is for me. But I'm trying to think if there was anything that was like not Kenner. I mean, I had, I had a. If I'd say I had a lot, but I mean, like I had like, you know, notebooks and books mm-hmm. and I had a lot of the records and those old records where you like the old 45s, you put them on. It was like the read along books because you could read along. They would read it, read the story to you. I love those. Um, but I think the one piece and I still have it. The one piece that I have the most vivid memories of was um, Ewok Village. Because I remember the Christmas that I got it. Um, and I opened it up, I tore into it and I put it together and it was just so cool because it had like, it had the net that captured, you know, Chewbacca and everybody. And it had like, it had the, um, the, the, the chair that you could put C-3PO in that they carried him on. And it had like a little, one of the tree trunks was hollow. And so you could drop somebody from the top and he fell down to the bottom and there was a little elevator that you could pull up with string. And it was you know, a lot of the toys had things that you could do to them. Like mm-hmm. the Tauntaun had like the slit belly and mm-hmm. um, there were certain like a lot of them, the, the speeder bike would explode, which was kind of cool. But I remember and because I didn't have the Millennium Falcon, I didn't have um, any of those really other big play sets. The Ewok Village was sort of the biggest thing I had ever had Star Wars wise. <laughs> and I could because it worked so well with all of your other character action figures and toys and everything. I just, I just fell in love with it. Um, yeah. And I still have it. And now the Lego Ewok village looks almost exactly like it. And if it weren't $350, I would (laughs) already own it. That would be mine. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I think the Kenner Ewok village has got to be my answer. So I was telling you guys before, but I didn't get introduced really to Star Wars till probably the 90s because I was born in 84. So um, I grew up and my toy, my favorite toys as a kid are, uh, weren't Star Wars toys. They were uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys and Darkwing Duck toys. And I always wanted uh, different the different sets like the sewer set or it sounds so gross to say that the sewer set <laughs> and uh the Technodrome, which I did get that one, but I always wanted the blimp, and every year I would put it on my list for Santa, and I would never get it. <laughs> That'd be curses, Santa. <laughs> I asked for a blimp! Yeah. <laughs> and 
the the thunder quack too that was one of my favorite it was it was big too i don't know if i don't know if you ever remember seeing the toy for it but it was a pretty big pretty big plane <laughs> i don't remember that one it was darkwing uh, duck dark, right darkwing yeah. yeah darkwing duck was I, I i watched it but it was uh, i was sort of beyond toys at that point right i was too cool for them uh, that's because you're old enough to be my fun no, sh- <laughs> shut up oh. Oh. burn <laughs> uh yeah you know what I think is really interesting? Um, just quickly going back to my Ewok village because I think it's so much cooler than your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The they actually village. re-released it. Um, the exact same mold, the exact same toy. That when uh, Do you remember the uh, Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie? Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Ke- Kenner had the toy license for that. And so they put out a whole bunch of action figures. And, uh, so I have a couple of those. Yeah, it, but a couple of the toys that they put out were, I don't know if it was excess inventory or if they just <laughs> went back to the same manufacturer. One of the ones was, it was an Ewok toy. I think it was like a battering ram or a catapult or something. They released the exact same thing and just rebranded it for Robin Hood. But they did that with the Ewok village. And they, it, was, it, was like, um, <laughs> it was like Robin Hood's forest hideout or something. But it was exactly the same. It was the Ewok Village, just in a different box. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. I don't know which. You I don't love know. that Ewok Village, don't you? I, yeah. <laughs> it's in a box um, in, in my in storage. Right? No, not in storage. It's in my house, but it's like in, in the crawl space right now. But it's in a box, and I need to bring it out. But my kids are so good at breaking stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they have that talent. All kids. <laughs> they amazing. do. You know, it's it's amazing. Like they'll play with something and I was like, this toy lasted for 30 years. It, <laughs> it lasted for three minutes in your hands. Like I don't understand how that works. <laughs> <clears throat> Perfect. So do you think we want to wrap up, Jamie? Or we, I think that... we probably can. Cool. Do you guys have any parting thoughts about where we're going to go? Do you think that kids today are going to have such fond memories of their toys that we do? There's so many ephemeral things that they play with now, iPad apps and and things that are changing so drastically. I think they'll still have fond memories, but I think it's going to be the the solid toys are going to be a little fewer and farther between. Uh, Although with 3D printing becoming a thing, they may be making their own toys. Who knows? That is true. I I think more that they'll just have memories of experiences and times more than more than items, because as Jerry said, Mm. it's. With the, with the apps and everything, everything is just so here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah. I think the toys will just be gone tomorrow, literally almost. Right. And once the next movie comes out, they'll forget about the Force Awakens. I, th- I as think. Far as toys go. I think toys that have staying power, like my son loves Hot Wheels. I think things like that he'll always remember. But, but toys based on licensed uh, characters and stuff, probably not as much. But, Which is funny because those are the ones that have the strongest yeah. memories for like our generation. <laughs> but the in like like uh, like Sean was saying, you know, the, the movies come out and all of a sudden there's a hype for the next thing and then there's the next yeah. thing and it's never you know what I mean it's always what's next and that's well, the way we are now. And especially with Star Wars, I mean, it's going to be every year now we're going to get a new movie. Right. So there's so new toys like, every year. Here's a new X-wing that's in a different color. You know. BB so. BB BB eight Sphero three point. Three point two. Maybe not. There's a great yeah. There's a great uh, Dana Carvey sketch about that. He's talking about taking the kid to the store and he's got to buy Megator and Mega T. And what's the difference between Megator and Mega T? And they're like, well, Megator's finger is like this, and his index <laughs> finger is crooked, and Mega T's finger is straight. You know, it's, an idea of, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> no, exactly. Perfect. And I I was a sucker for that growing up. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I had all of the yeah the the. Um, Thundercats and the Transformers and the, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks, Jerry and Sean, for hanging out with us today and talking merchandise and toys and just geeking out. It's been a great time. And, guys, I hope you like this new format. Uh, We're going to try to bring something cool for you every week. If you have any ideas for topics to run by the Geek Panel, we're going to have some new people on every week. Send it in. And, Jamie, we even have a phone number now. We do. It's 301-825-5653. 301-825-5653. Call now, call we, often. We should make a we should make a song for it so people remember it. Uh, I'll think of that. We'll, we'll okay. come up with a jingle. Yeah. Like the Empire jingle. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I tried I tried to get a number that like where the number spelled a word. So it would be like 1-800 mattress or something, but I just I, I couldn't do it. 
<laughs> There's a carpet place. I don't know if I don't, it's out of the U.S., but I think it's in the Northeast. I don't know if you guys get it. The five eight eight two three hundred Empire. Have you ever seen those? Yeah, yeah that's the yeah. commercial I was talking yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, was well, oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> I, I didn't. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Oh, cool. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys. So our first roundtable chat happened. That was cool. I enjoyed it. That was cool. I enjoyed it very much. I hope everybody else did, too. I do, too. I think it's going to be neat putting these episodes out every once in a while. Kind of gets, you know, gets us out of the interview mind frame, and you can kind of pick our minds apart. (laughs) It's fun to just kind of talk with other, you know, geeks who don't you know or just you know people that are sort of in the same level with that sort of interviewing somebody who's made something that we really like you right. know and that's cool and i love doing it but it's it's sort of it's just a different dynamic in the conversation exactly and everyone likes to throw their opinion in right so yeah <laughs> so we're going to be doing a second part we're going to try to do it on these episodes and it's going to be like kind of we do these interviews sometimes where they just don't fit with anything else or they're short, or, you know, we can only talk to a guy for eight minutes. <laughs> or, you know, the computer shuts off and we're talking. <laughs> Something like that. So um, we're just going to find, you know, whatever we have, uh, whether it be a review or you know, an interview or whatever. And Jamie recently went to New York Comic Con. He has a few gems that he uh, brought home from that. And we're going to air one of those today. Yeah, this, like Justin was saying, this sort of doesn't fit with anything else. It's not Disney related. Uh, it's not uh, It's not something that we would be able to make a whole show out of or really tie into something else. Um, but it's, it's a great conversation I had. Um, yeah, so I was at, it was at New York Comic Con and um, I had the opportunity to talk with the editor in chief of Mad Magazine um, and the gentleman who is the current well, current, because he's been doing it for the last 15 years, I think, the current artist <laughs> and writer on the Spy vs. Spy strip. Um, I'm a huge fan of Spy vs. Spy. I have been even back when I was a kid and didn't really understand all the strips. Um, but I'm a huge fan. And uh, DC uh, owns Mad Magazine, but they, uh, they have a new book coming out that... Um, is called Spy vs. Spy, an explosive celebration. And what they've done is they've taken some of the, it's not comprehensive, um, it's not all the strips, but they've taken some of the best classic strips um, and they've colorized them. Because if you've ever seen Spy vs. Spy, it's, they're black and white. It's white spy and black spy. Um, but the strips themselves were just printed in black and white because Mad Magazine was a black and white magazine. Um, a lot of the more current strips are done in color. Um, but what this book has done is it's taken um, 150, I believe, 150 classic Spy vs. Spy strips and colorized them. The book also includes um, 10 never-before-seen um, pieces of art that have been commissioned from famous artists working today. So we've got art from Darwin Cook and Evan Dorkin and Jaime Hernandez, Jim Lee, um, Bill Stankowitz. So they've all sort of, they've all done their own pieces on Spy vs. Spy and taken the, in, in their own fresh perspective. Um, the book looks fantastic. Um, I had a chance to talk with John Ficara, who is the Mad Magazine editor-in-chief, and Peter Cooper, who is the current uh, and longtime Spy vs. Spy artist. Um, so we're going to roll with that. Because this was just done in Artist Alley, which was on the floor, you're going to hear some background information, background noise, um, just crowd noise. Um, but it's um, that's so that's why you, it sounds so loud. Um, but the conversation is absolutely just just phenomenal. It's, it was a really great conversation. All right, so we're going to roll that for you right now. Enjoy. The nicest reporter of anybody who's interviewed us. Well, there you go. Already, we're, we're already off to a good start. <laughs> yeah, that's a but the worst handwriting, oh my God, what is that? Chicken scratch. Chicken scratch. Only I can oh, read it. You clearly didn't go to a Catholic school. With I us. did not. I did yeah, not. It's beat sort of like beat your knuckles with a ruler. It's sort of like my own language. So if anybody steals it, they won't know what it says. <laughs> Rosetta Stone. James Rosetta Stone. <laughs> that's that's right. Um, I guess I'm just wondering for the new book, um, how did you go about choosing which stitches? which strips because it's not comprehensive no Proheus actually did about 225 we had room for about 150 we wanted to show the breadth of the strip okay 
So we picked a lot of, we, we talk about how the spies can exist anywhere from uh, Cro-Magnon Man all the way up into futuristic space adventure. So we wanted to show some of the early stuff, how his art evolved, how the strip evolved, but also the elasticity of the two characters in their storylines. Right. Um, why color them? I mean, because a, a big part of the appeal of the old, uh, the old strips was the black and white quality, yes, not yes. just the line art. We felt the same way. And well, you, you know, for years, Mad was a black and white magazine, so the right. spies were perfect for it. Right. And when we started doing color, we said, well, we won't do the spies because that's stupid. It's a black and white thing. But I guess we stumbled into it. We said, well, let's try one and see what it looks like. And when we saw what was being done because of computers and, and how colorists have evolved, we said, wow, this is bringing the strip to a whole new level. And maybe a whole new generation of readers who, hate to say it, don't necessarily appreciate black and white as much. Right. right. So once, once that was done and we saw how good they looked, then it just became my passion to get a collection of them done on really nice stock by a terrific colorist, Carrie Strahan, who did all 150 in the book, and to do it as a coffee table book and give it the, the recognition it, it was due. Yeah, uh, from everything that I've seen, it just looks gorgeous. Oh yeah, it's really I beautiful. I can't wait to add it to, the, to my library. <laughs> uh, Peter, it just, I don't mean to interrupt, but no, I was no, just wondering fine. if uh, you could say like what you think, you know, as the current artist, what you think makes um, the characters just so enduring, like why they've lasted. Uh, I think it has to do with war lasting. It's yeah. like it just doesn't want to. For some reason, it doesn't want to go away. We wish it would. Yeah. You know, I mean, it serves me well to have war around so that I can do new Sad ideas. To <laughs> Sad to say, but you know, NSA, etc. But uh, you know, there's new devices and new ways that we're figuring out how to destroy ourselves. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, it's it's just built into our DNA that you know, I mean, kids are uh, attacking each other on the playground, yeah. uh, and that that kind of struggle is you know one aspect of it but also i think we just love to see things blow up and uh you know heads explode that's like really um really uh um there's something cathartic about it and sure. in, in a you know sort of base way and i mean if you look at all the cartoons over the years you know uh, tom and jerry roadrunner and wiley e. coyote itchy and scratchy it's like we dig that we as like a that. culture as a as a, as a, yeah. as a theme and i and i it probably goes and it goes back probably to, you know, like ancient times too. There was probably yeah. a lot of Egyptian figurines, and, you know, sideways views of them attacking each attacking other. Attacking each other and blowing up. Yes. Um, My next trip. Certainly from here. Uh, I mean, just wanted to show the futility of the Cold War. Sure. You know, the, it's just never ending. And one, sometimes one guy wins, sometimes the other guy wins at the end of the day. Right. He was coming, you know, coming from Cuba originally. So he's like dead in the middle of all that. Yeah. And so that it was, it really, and I mean, it, it resonated. It was, you know, with the Cuban Missile Crisis and all that going on, it was, right. we, were, we were like right spot on with that type of thing. And like I said, unfortunately, it is so not, you know, like, oh, well, that was an old era thing. It's yeah. like, it's just would pick your latest battle. Well, I mean, that kind of touches on, it started off as this Cold War commentary, and obviously it's evolved over the years, but I'm just, what goes through your mind? Like, how do you keep it relevant? Like, how do you keep it attracting new readers and keep it, entertaining for an audience who might not have any idea what the Cold War really was. It doesn't because it doesn't relate to the Cold War specific I mean yeah. it's not seated in that. And that's I mean I and I think the, the strips are generally pretty eternal. Yeah. You could you could roll it back. It could have been from many different eras and they certainly you know it it's it stays relevant because that those situations that conflict is like just not a thing of the past at all. Sure. Um, sure. what what I love about the strip on the other hand is it, there's a sort of period quality with all the symbols and things like that that and it uses so many uh, comic tropes like you know sawing wood for snoring and stars for pain and all that and you, I can run with those in a lot of different directions yeah. and have them be part of the strip and it also references some of the history of comics because it uh, there's crazy cat if you know that old strip yeah. it, if you look at the design of the original strip he clearly loved crazy cat yeah. and so I and I as do I so I love those old strips. So there's this sort of connection between the past and then the ongoing nature of the, the subject that is unfortunately going to have be good for the future too. Yeah, I'm wondering, um, do you feel any sort of pressure for Mad as a magazine to continue to stay relevant, or do you find that every day, every day, every day? I mean, it's no secret that the newsstand business is not a great business to be in. 
So we have to put out the very best issue we can every day and to up our game as much as we can every day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it is hard, you know, because no matter how good you are, if your distribution channel is dying. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. Uh, you've been doing this for a long time. Yes, I have. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to keep doing it until I get it right. Good for Bada you. <laughs> Good for you. Um, and I really, really um, admire the response that you had for the Charlie Hebdo. Um, oh, attacks. thanks. And I'm wondering, is it really that different? Do you feel a difference now as opposed to, you know, 20 years ago? Like, are your hands, have your hands ever been tied creatively? And, and do, you, if, do you notice it more now? No, because I think Matt has always had the philosophy that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Right. I mean, I, I was challenged the other day in another interview, and the guy said, well, you've drawn Jesus Christ in the magazine. I said, that's true. We did Jesus Christ at the Last Supper if everybody had cell phones, you know, and Jesus sitting like that. But we didn't do Alfred as Jesus on the cross because we knew that, to, to use a bad wordplay here, we would be crossing a line that we didn't, there was no reason to cross. Right. It would only be there to be offensive. And the same thing with us during uh, Muhammad. There's no need for us to do it to comment on what's going on over there. Right. Okay. Um, we also, none of us want to be blown up, actually. No, so I, don't, I don't blame you for that. Unlike in the strip, yeah. we don't come back next month. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, teeth fly out just once, and that's it. <laughs> once, you get one shot of that. One brain explodes. <laughs> um, so, Spy for Spy is, I mean, it's almost like a political cartoon. Um, and I'm wondering, have you ever encountered a situation that you really wanted to comment on, but you just couldn't find a way to make it funny? Um, actually, not not really. I mean, I've, I did something on global warming, which I find very unfunny. Yeah. And did something funny with it. I, I, you know, I don't want to trivialize things while I'm doing them. You know, it's like I, it, I really like the idea of being able to take a subject and and show, knowing that there's a young audience who's going to be seeing it. That, that this may be their introduction to yeah, it in the same sure. way. For me, MAD was the introduction into doing being a political artist, doing political commentary. Right. Because I, and being really funny too. And like finding irony and finding ways to do it. I mean, in a lot of ways, um, to relate to your previous question, you know, MAD, Mad is uh, digging its own grave perpetually or has by, by way of, uh, it created a whole set of humor that the world has run with. I mean, we're living in kind of a mad universe. I mean, The Daily Show yeah. is, complete, is completely coming out of that, that zeitgeist that MAD established. And, uh, and South Park and The Simpsons, those are all, I, I mean, I'm not sure that they would have existed without MAD. That was something that, that uh, MAD did that then, you know, for many different reasons, you know, that expanded it, made it a much crowd, more crowded playing field. Sure. But anyway, to, to go back to the, the politics of it, um, I, I, it's, it's one of the challenges is to think about these topics, that, the current events, figure out a way to do them, but also not do it in a way that's, that will, they'll become stale quickly yeah, because yeah. They're, um, it's, like, it's a one-shot because it's, like, it's of the moment. It's like New Yorker cartoons. If you, Ten years from now, you're not going to understand half of what you yeah. read in The New Yorker. And I, and I really love the... the perpetual nature of, like if you read a, the Spy from 1961, you get it exactly the way, yeah. you know, it's just fine now. And I love the old school style that Proheus, well, it, was the, it wasn't old school when he did it, yeah, it was, the style. but I still like, I love that aspect because I don't really want to go like high tech. I, li I like high low tech, yeah. you know, like the, like, you know, the cover of this book, they're riding rockets and shooting each other with slingshots. That's exactly spy versus spy. Yeah. Um, what's what's the place for satire in the future? Like moving forward, knowing the responses that so much satire has been getting, you know, it, so many people just don't understand it nowadays. I think it's it's a tool track. First, a lot of people don't understand it and they don't yeah. get it, and then you have the other half, and I think this is especially true of politicians who have sort of co-opted satire. So you see Hillary Clinton on Saturday Night Live trying to take the steam out of, or the teeth away from any satire that they do, and say, I'm in on the gag too. I can't be all that bad, no matter how bad they really are. So it's, it's always difficult for us to just up what's really going on. I mean, I, I'd be hard pressed to write a satire of what's going on in Congress now that can top just what's really going on in Congress. <laughs> Truth really you know? is, yeah. fiction. It's, it's so yeah, weird. It's very, very difficult for us to get up. Sometimes, oh God, where are we going with this? Yeah. 
but uh, you know that's why we make the big bucks, you know, <laughs> to, uh, to keep digging and keep digging. Yeah. Where to next? Actually, literally, we're leaving here. We're going up to do a panel, uh, which is always my favorite part of the convention, where we get up and. Uh, me and uh, Sam Viviano, my art director, and some other staff members and freelancers, including Peter. And we'll do a little slideshow with uh, some of the stuff we've done, tell some jokes, sing some songs, and take some questions. And when you put out a magazine, you never get immediate feedback on anything. This is our, own, our well, twice a year. We do this at San Diego, where we get a chance to get some, some feedback and, uh, and hear some laughs. And has it been good? Have you been getting good feedback? So far, yeah, yeah, so far, so far. Nobody's throwing any tomatoes at you or anything? Not yet, but now that you planted the idea in my head, I'm going to be thinking, where's that tomato <laughs> Where's it going to come from? Yeah. Which direction? Well, you're certainly invited to the panel to 2.30. Well, thank you very much. And thank you very much for both of you. Okay, well, in conclusion, I was going to say the future of, of humor. It's, it's 3D printing. 3D printing Yeah, that's pretty much going to, it'll cover. No, I It'll would. all be. Mental note. Yeah. <laughs> note to self. <laughs> note to self. Three, get a 3D, 3D printer. Yeah. Thank you so much. Sure. Pleasure. All right, so that's it for our first uh, sidetrack episode. We still have to work out a name. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe you guys have ideas. I don't know. I, I think we're going to maybe come up with something to distinguish it. I'm not sure what. Uh, table talk, geek talk. I don't know. Geek dad. I don't know. Who knows? I'm not creative right on the fly like this. I think geek dad <laughs> is taken now. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. We're just going to hijack it. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I hope you guys liked our chat. Did you agree with what we said or did you not agree? Let us know on Facebook. Maybe you can tell us what your favorite toys were. It doesn't have to be Star Wars. can be anything. Also, what are you looking forward to about the merchandise? Tell us. We want to know. <laughs> on our Facebook, facebook.com slash the GBB podcast and Twitter at the GBB podcast. And I'm Justin Connors, 140 Justin C. And I'm Jamie Green at the Roarbots. Perfect. So we're going to try to get one of these episodes out to you, what, twice a month probably for the for, for the first To start little, off. Yeah, every two to three see weeks. See how it we'll rolls. See. Yeah. So definitely be in touch, guys. We want to hear from you. We want this to be your show. Your show. You, the people. All right. Have a great week. We'll see you in a few days. Bye. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.